and thank you so much for joining us here at Quarto Kids Cast. I'm your host, Mel Shewitt, and today I'm joined by guest Barbara Taylor, author of Inside Animals. It's the kind of book that you don't necessarily read from beginning to end. You uh, revisit it over and over again. You can dip into it at any point. Previously the science editor at London's Natural History Museum, Barbara has written over 200 children's books and encyclopedias, and she has won the American Association of Physics Science Award and the National Literacy Association WOW Award. In Inside Animals, she tackles uncovering what's happening beneath the surface of some of the world's most interesting animals, exploring the inner workings of over 20 incredible creatures. I hope you'll enjoy my conversation with Barbara Taylor, author of Inside Animals. Hello, I'm Barbara Taylor. I'm the author of Inside Animals. Barbara, it is a huge pleasure and honor to talk to you. I can't say enough about how much I love this book, and we've talked about it a little bit before we've started the recording, but I'm trying to save it all for the recording. Where did you get the idea for Inside Animals? Well, often I do think about the ideas for my books, but this particular book came from the publishers and um, a very enthusiastic editor there, Claire Grace, who originally contacted me. Um, and it was a, uh, she wanted to do a, a, an animal anatomy book for children. And at, at the first count, it sounded very ambitious, but it's a very visual approach. And of course, Margot's artwork is so beautiful, colorful, very surreal, very simplistic, and it really brings everything to life. So that made the big difference to this book, but it's so much a team effort. And as well as Claire at the publishers, there was Lucy Menzies, another um, editor there and a designer, Myrto. Um, they, we all worked very, very closely together, only obviously at a distance really with all the pandemic pandemic and everything else. So um, yeah, it all came together beautifully at the end. It feels like you're naming a bunch of my friends. I love it. <laughs> this is a book with not a lot of pages. So how did you choose which animals were going to be included in the final book? I imagine that had to be very difficult because there are so many animals yes. out there. Absolutely. And so many fabulous animals as well. So we were trying really to get a range of animals from different groups. So we had, you know, mammals, birds, reptiles, and definitely some invertebrates. So we included quite a lot of things like the octopus or the jellyfish, which are a little bit more unusual, and an insect, you know, because they are, there's so many more of those animals than there are the big ones. So we wanted to include those. And also um, different environments, some land, some water creatures, and then familiar animals like cows or you know animals that would definitely children would be familiar with so they've got a starting point for their information and their research and then um, also the wow factor animals like the blue whale and the great white shark which there are so many you know fabulous facts about so it was a mixture of um, familiar variety um, and things that children would recognize. Did anybody interesting end up on the cutting room floor? Um, any animals you mean well yeah. we did take out we took out lizards um, because we thought they were too similar to crocodiles and we wanted to fit an insect in um, and obviously it would have been nice to have a cat <laughs> um, as you mentioned <laughs> earlier but you know there's just only so much you can fit in so yeah it would have been lovely to have a cheetah but um, you know I guess that you have to think about other books as well and, and what's not in other books is quite nice to include in in this one so yeah it was the variety really we wanted to get as much of. I mentioned before we started recording that the sequel to this book, which I'm going to make happen no matter what I have to do inside more animals is going to have a cheetah on the first spread because I'm a cheetah girl. What do you hope that kids are going to take away from your book? And why do you think a 
title like this is so valuable for young children? Well, I hope that kids will uh, find animals as fascinating as I do. And it's it's unusual to talk about the insides of animals. Often we talk about what they do rather than actually how they work inside. Um, and also... Um, so therefore, hopefully that will give them an idea of what they can work with animals later in life or study things. But um, we've also said a lot about um, things we don't know, like we don't really know why scorpions glow in the dark or we don't know why some bats have a nose sleeve. But um, so they, they can think, well, you know, it's not all been found out. There's loads of things I can do when I grow up. And also, I think it's handy to introduce new words like, um, you know, what the spider shedding its skin is called molting or the, the syrinx is the organ in a songbird's wingpipe that helps it to sing and um, sort of more difficult words. And we've got a big glossary at the end. So that, again, is um, a jumping off point for more learning. Um, and also, it's the kind of book that you don't necessarily read from beginning to end. You uh, revisit it over and over again. You can dip into it at any point. Um, and there's also a lot of um, levels of text. There's some short captions. There's some longer text on, on some of the general spreads. And there's also the beautiful illustrations. So you can learn how to about drawing animals, really, as well. It's not just about the words and the learning. It's all sorts of things, really. Yeah, there are a lot of facets. I, lo I love the way that you put sort of saving space for kids to understand that these are things that they can look into when they get older, because not everything has been discovered. I think that is a fantastic way of, especially of looking at nonfiction. Yes, yeah, so I think it can be a bit daunting when kids think, oh, well, you know, everything's, we know everything, but, you know, we very much don't. And there's always so much more to discover. Um, so I think that's really important. And, and I think it's good to admit that we don't know everything. You know, sometimes in children's nonfiction, it all sounds as though everybody knows everything, but, but we definitely don't. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a good segue into what your research process was like for the book. Well, yes, there's obviously these days so much information, um, you know, out there online, but a lot of it is not always terribly accurate. So I did, um, you know, people will repeat things from one website to another. And, and you know, you have to do a lot, a lot of checking, cross checking. Um, and I did go to quite a lot of scientific journals. So I might spend, you know, um, days sort of hours reading about one particular scientific discovery and then it might end up as a 30 word caption somewhere in the book or not at all yeah. you know so there's a lot of reading and I mean documentaries on tv are, are great sources and I've got a massive library of books you can imagine at home you know over many years when I've been working on books um, and so despite the fact that you know people think you just look up things online I mean books are incredibly useful especially for the insides of animals and the diagrams of anatomy you know I went back to some of my my biology textbooks and, and looked at those so Margot was was very you know good at simplifying down um, all the reference I sent her. Looking for free downloadables to add to your lesson plans? Quarto Kids offers a wealth of teacher guides, activity kits and educational materials to supplement everything kids are learning no matter the age range, subject matter or setting. Check out our downloadable resource at quartoknows.com forward slash r forward slash educator resources that's q u a r t o k n o w s dot com forward slash r forward slash educator resources did you find that you encountered any specific challenges 
other than having to pare down so much information. Well, pare down, but also, yeah, just trying to find out because I was trying to, um, I mean, something like the scorpion, they have these book lungs, but I couldn't find any references to, to what they actually, you know, diagrams of them. I spent an awful long time. We did eventually get it really accurate. So we had, you know, they have four pairs of book lungs and, you know, we got everything, um, considering the level of the um, the book is for children, it, it is you know, incredibly accurate. And we wanted to make sure that um, like the blue whale has the baleen plates and the blue whale are black. And I think Margot originally did them in white. I mean, why would she, you know, you wouldn't know what color or the number of gill arches on the great white shark. Um, you know, there are there are five, but it, originally she did four. So we just had to keep, and she was fantastic about going back and making all these corrections. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> she must be utterly fed up with me in the end, making all these corrections, but you just want it to be as accurate as possible, really. I'm sure she does too. I'm sure love, she did. I'm sure she did. Yeah. Yeah. I always love to ask this question. What surprised you? What fact or facts surprised you the most? Oh, so, so many things. Mm. I mean, I'm always surprised when every, I was quite surprised when I was talking, um, researching the blood part of it, that animals can have all different colors of blood, you know, red, blue, green, yellow, orange, or even colorless. Um, and spider's blood is blue green when it's got oxygen in it. And an octopus has um, blue blood, you know, all sorts of things like that are quite, quite odd, really. Um, and you always think that, um, you know, animals can uh, often go faster than we can, but a penguin can swim faster than an Olympic swimmer, which is quite, you know, amazing, really. Um, and a giant squid has eyes as big as a dinner plate, which is hard to, you know, a lot of the time we had to give analogies to explain things. Um, yeah, it's and hard to comprehend. Yeah, quite hard to come up with because I, I don't know about you, but I can't really visualize numbers. You know, when you say they can swim as fast as or they're as long as so many meters, it's quite hard to visualize. So, you know, we said that an ostrich's egg is the same weight as about 24 chickens eggs. So you've got an idea if you've never seen an ostrich egg, which many people haven't, um, you know, how big it would be. So that's quite. And also you can stand on an ostrich egg without the shell breaking, which is pretty cool. Um, which That's I've never tried, but apparently you can actually do that. Um, and I was quite surprised how long animals could hold their breath. I mean, we're pretty all humans generally are pretty poor in terms of what they can do compared to animals. But, um, you know, uh, apparently there are free divers that can hold their breath for 24 minutes underwater. Usually we can only do a couple of minutes, but there's a sea turtle that can hold their breath for up to seven hours underwater. So it's they're pretty, pretty clever, pretty cool, really. I mean, the only humans I know can do about three seconds of holding their well, breath exactly, underwater. Well, exactly, exactly. And I don't want impressive. children, I don't definitely don't want children going away and trying to hold their breath underwater. Don't try this at not, home, kids. It's not a good thing, but, um, you know, definitely animals have got special ways of um, keeping the air in their tissues and, and, you know, not using up as much oxygen as we have to. Let's back up a little bit and talk about you. Uh, this is by far not your first book, and it's not in your first book with Quarto. You've also written the Dinosaur Awards for us. Yes. What can you tell us about you, your background and your career, and how did you come to find children's books? Well, um, yeah, a long time ago, I have a degree originally in environmental science. So that's my background in um, sort of biology and geography and geology, all that sort of area. Um, and I originally was a science writer at the Natural History Museum in London, very famous institution. Um, and I was very, very lucky. I had a lovely job there working on the exhibitions um, and books for the public as well. So this was a 
fantastic training for how to write text and, and captions for for very, very simply, because we used to aim our text there at anyone from seven to 70, they used to say, so, you know, yeah. and sim how to simplify your ideas, but keeping it very accurate. And then I worked for many years as, um, as an editor and a commissioning editor for children's nonfiction publishers in London. And eventually I enjoyed the writing very much. That's what I really liked doing. And um, so I was lucky enough, I started a, a freelance career um, doing a lot of writing, but still editing and consulting. Um, and then, you know, so there really, that's where I am now. And I've been lucky enough to have all sorts of wonderful projects to work on. Um, but yes, I think, um, you know, and you learn as you go along. I'm still learning. Everyone's learning all the time. But, um, you know, you still come up with new ideas and new um, ways of doing things. So I, I enjoy it very much. I've been very, very fortunate to have a career like this. Fortunate, but very, very smart, too. You've published a lot of books. <laughs> I have. I think I tried to count them the other day in case this question came up, but I think it's sort of verging on the 200 books now. So oh, interesting. Your your bio still says 120. So we're going to have to I know. I think it's out, of, it's out of date. I think we should update that. Wow. 200 books. That's amazing. Uh, I feel like it's I should let you get back to, to your writing. <laughs> um, but before we wrap up our time together, I wanted to ask you one final question, something that I ask everyone who stops by the podcast. What makes you love a book? And I think with your science background, I might know where this is going, but I'm yes. excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah, no, certainly with that. But I, I was also going to say that I, I do... I do like books that capture the imagination and, and take you to a different world, if it's fiction or nonfiction. But um, and this particular book, because Margot's artwork is so imaginative, that's why I love it so much. But um, I, I remember loving books from as from a very small child being taken to a library and, and feeling quite at home, you know, surrounded by all the books. So um, I think I just love books generally. But I think with children's nonfiction, it's where um, the artwork and text work together. And I very much like a sense of humour in a book, which um, the Dinosaur Awards has definitely got that in very as well. Very funny, yes. I, <laughs> I think with this book as well, we tried to introduce things that were quite quirky and would make um, children and parents chuckle and say, oh, I didn't know that. And, you know, that's very surprising. And there's lots more to find out. And, you know, so it's it's that kind of, um, I like the sort of quirkiness and the the, the way of taking you somewhere different that um, with these nonfiction books is, it's easy to do with the illustrations, but um, obviously the without the text and the research and so on, the, the, it wouldn't work together. So it's very much working together. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and talking to me about Inside Animals and a little bit about the Dinosaur Awards and all of your other 200 children's books. <laughs> Amazing. This was a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to our chat with Barbara Taylor. Inside Animals is available online and in bookstores and libraries worldwide. We'd love to see you subscribe to Cuarto Kids Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find all available episodes at anchor.fm slash Cuarto Kids Cast. And hey, if you're enjoying Cuarto Kids Cast, we'd be grateful if you left a review so others can hear about it too. Special thanks to Scott Holm for our theme music, Steve Roth for his promotional vocal stylings, Barbara Taylor for stopping by to talk to us, and of course you, the listener, for tuning in. Until next time.